Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Culture Night. Where each week we drink fancy wine and watch movies that are in some way culturally significant. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sarah. And we want to say thank you to everybody that's listening on all the podcast platforms, Apple or Apple Music, Apple Spot. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the, all the places. Probably. I don't know. People use that. Pocket Cast, all those yeah, things. Yeah, all the things. And to anybody that is watching us on YouTube. And thank you to any of our new subscribers. There's maybe three of you from last week. So thank you. All right. We're growing. Going viral. Yep. And we're here for episode six. Oh, man. Um, start with some uh, quick podcast business. Obviously, I think the big thing is get some uh, new equipment. Yeah, hopefully if you're just listening, you can tell that we sound much better than previous weeks. Hopefully we sound much better. We, yeah. This is our first time we're like really recording with these. We still have the, the fallback to our uh, our video mic in case this somehow goes awry, but do you want to christen yeah, the, uh, the roadcaster? Pull off the... Are you sure you want me to take the plastic off? Yeah, can't go back now. Ooh... Just uh, pull the, the the plastic cover off of the <laughs> roadcaster. So, um, to the the turnaround time on starting this podcast was about a week. We mm-hmm. um, kind of decided it all came together really quickly, and we decided that we really just needed to press play. Uh, we used what we had. We have a Sony A sixty three hundred camera and a Rode video mic. Yeah, the video mic go to I think is what it's called. Gotcha. And so we just plugged all that in and used what we had to get us started. Mm-hmm. And then we're having a lot of fun doing this. So we decided to invest a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, we now have each have our own Rode pod mic. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we sound very beautiful. And then we also bought the Rodecaster Pro. So and that we stands. can yeah, stands to hold up our mics. And um, I'm still learning the Rodecaster Pro. It is very plug and go for the most part. But mm-hmm. um we're also trying to get set up and find out where the microphone's supposed to go and where's the best place to have all the equipment and stuff. But yeah, hopefully it's not, uh, we're not like, doesn't sound weird. Like hopefully it comes fairly well tuned and, uh, we don't have any pop filters, but, um, I think this supposedly has pop filters built into it. So, um, we shouldn't really need that. Mm-hmm. So we will, uh, hopefully get more comfortable with all the equipment, especially mm-hmm. like all the buttons and everything on this as we get going. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're excited for this podcast because hopefully it'll sound beautiful. Yep. And um, so the next podcast business is actually not going to happen, but I was thinking earlier about it's, you know, March Madness. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, eventually, hopefully like in a year, we'll have enough movies to do like our own bracket Ooh. to, you know, kind of have like, I was I actually put a little bit of thought into this, <laughs> seed them by like the amount of money they grossed. Ooh. Hey, well- Adjusted for inflation. Because obviously it'd be kind of weird not to. For but, sure. Um, for sure. I think that would be very interesting to see, like, you know, based on how much money they made, which ones we would then choose of, like, which one we just subjectively liked more. Um, I'm we only loving have this. Six movies. I mean, we technically have a couple more because we watched a couple movies um, for our own culture night before we started the podcast. But I figured that sample size of six is, mm-hmm. wouldn't be very exciting. Yeah. But I mean, a year from now, mm-hmm. we'll have 50. Yeah, 52 Seven, plus that, yeah. And so. the six we've already done plus a year from right now mm-hmm. would be yeah, close we'll to 60. Yeah, full 64. So maybe we'll pull a couple in from our bracket or maybe we'll do some double features sometime over the next year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But hopefully we some can have episodes. enough. Yeah. Oh, that'd be super fun. I love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. So yeah, maybe next next year for March Madness, we can have a little bit of fun. Yeah, make a note, put a reminder somewhere so yeah. we remember. <laughs> All right, so now jump into our slept on it segment kind of jumping back into the jerk from last week Mm -hmm. Um, i will get us started so 
we obviously talked a lot about Steve Martin because it was, he was the star of the show. Mm -hmm. And just we, um, you looked up during the movie that he was 34 when they shot this. I think that was right. Yeah. So I did a little bit of a deep dive on Steve Martin, just to learn a little bit more about when it was in his career. Cause we did mention that, um, he seemed a little stiff in certain parts or that his acting was not what we know it is to be today. Mm -hmm. And so, um, here's a little bit about Steve Martin. Uh, he started as a writer in late night comedy and actually won an Emmy award with the whole writing staff of the um, late night show that he worked for, which was called Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. And that was in 1969. And he was only 23 years old when he won his first Emmy. Wow. I don't know if he's won more than that. Is I that, probably should have looked at that. Does that predate SNL then? Wasn't SNL didn't that start in the 70s? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. So he just casually started off his career with an Emmy. Yeah, that's crazy. We should have known then that yeah. he would be a superstar. Um, he did a lot with stand-up comedy and also continued to do stand-up comedy routines on um, all the late night shows and things like that. Um, and we were correct in that The Jerk was one of his first films. It was the sixth film that he was in, um, including two of the films before that. One, he just had a cameo appearance in, and one of them was a documentary where he was himself. So it was really his fourth, like, Mm -hmm. uh, like major movie. movie actually one of them was only a short film so um he i mean he was still very fresh in mm -hmm. the acting business um and he was also a writer on the jerk so he helped write the movie as well I as starting it. it it seemed very much kind of like something he would have written mm -hmm. especially early on there yeah so there's obviously a lot more to steve martin's career than just that but that's just kind of a little bit of what got him started and what led him up to where we see him in this movie mm -hmm. very cool um, and then the other thing I looked into is we talked about how this movie had a lot of similarities to the movie Elf. And uh, I mean, if we both independently thought of it, I assumed there would be lots of stuff on the mm -hmm. internet about how it was super similar, but there was not as much as I thought there was going to be. There was one Sporkle quiz mm -hmm. about pick, pick the compare the similarities between the jerk and Elf. There were 14 of them. Seems and, very hot for a quiz. <laughs> yeah, I did take it. I got them all right. Nice. Um, but I mean, it was things like main character was mentioned on the news or like mm -hmm. just very like yeah, um, overarching mm -hmm. storylines. Um, and then I did see it referenced in an article where someone was talking about how terrible the movie Elf is, which I do not agree with. Love that movie. Um, but said it was, had a lot of comparisons to the jerk and the jerk was was funny, according to the writer of this article. Mm hmm. And the elf and elf was not. So um, I'm there. Might be more if I dug really deep on the internet, mm -hmm. but um, just a quick Google search, a quick Google search did not yield the results I thought it would. Interesting. Yeah, maybe we need to like publish an article about this crazy finding. We've, That's what we'll do. We yeah. will <laughs> take this from podcast to researchers. Yes. <laughs> oh, geez, I don't have time for that. Um, interesting um i thought it was fairly obvious too from the like we were watching mm -hmm. it that we were like this so much reminds me of elf yeah and, and so early on in the movie too i, mm -hmm. I caught on to it that um i mean i think before he even left his home i was like oh this is very similar to elf mm -hmm. that i am shocked it's not talked about more yeah um so in the movie when he talks about um or when he starts working at the car wash or whatever the auto Gas shop station. Whatever, yeah autos yeah um he's hired for one dollar and ten cents per hour, which obviously seems very low. Um, today, women wage is seven twenty-five nationally, and like trying to be pushed up to fifteen dollars and um, making its way up there. But even then, a um, dollar ten was well. If you just for inflation, dollar ten um, in nineteen seventy-nine is worth four dollars and eighty-two cents in today's money. So still 
very low mm -hmm. and minimum wage in california at the time was two dollars 65 cents so it was less than half of minimum wage so it kind of explains why mm -hmm. the attendant was uh so excited to have him work there for such a low low price basically paying him mm -hmm. absolutely nothing um and really i think that leads into his he's so naive and he'll, he'll he's mm -hmm. just excited to have a job and that someone wants mm -hmm. to hire him and he doesn't have a real concept of money yeah. and what it I is i still just assumed it was minimum wage though when he said that and mm -hmm. i was like you know, obviously our concept of money from, you know, decades before we were born um, is a little bit skewed, but uh, I just assumed that it was, that was minimum wage and they, the joke was going to be, he was so excited to make minimum wage, mm -hmm. but even then he wasn't even making minimum wage, which is, oh, is the, the comedy Poor there. guy. Um, as for the title, um, so my initial research in, in trying to find the title, um, Google very helpfully had the suggestion, um, their suggested question of why is it called the jerk? So I clicked it to expand it and it, Took me about a sentence or two before to get into it before I realized it was talking about jerk chicken and why I call it is called jerk chicken. <laughs> Obviously, not at all. Very different, but yeah, very delicious. Um, but even though, or even still, I, I wasn't really able to find a definitive answer on it. Um, on IMDb, there was a um, a trivia thing about the film's title grew out of conversations between uh, Steve Martin and Carl Reiner. Some of the working titles were Money to Burn, The Jerk, A Wild and Crazy Movie, and Easy Money. So it doesn't seem like there was really much thought in put mm -hmm. into this. I mean, we both agreed that the jerk was not the best title we thought mm -hmm. for the movie. Obviously we are not renowned movie critics. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the entire idea for the movie came from one of Steve Martin's um, stand up bits where he just, I guess out of nowhere, just says it wasn't always easy for me. Um, I grew up a poor black child, which is the opening like quote mm -hmm. of the, of the uh, movie. So I feel like he basically, that's all he had for an idea and then they just, I must have pulled from a hat a bunch of like random movie titles or something and yeah. just went with it because it doesn't seem like there was too much thought or meaning behind it. Yeah. I don't know. I still, I, it still doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah. I still don't like easy money or money to burn. Just, I don't, yeah. That really jumps to the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like it does take a while to get to that point. Maybe easy money. I feel like fits better than the jerk, but mm -hmm. I feel like something like called like falling upwards or something might've mm -hmm. been like made more sense. I, I don't know. It just didn't, did love the jerk, but don't really have much better to, to offer. So mm -hmm. um, another trivia thing though, that I saw on that same page was that, um, or actually this is on Wikipedia, apparently uh, Bill Murray, um, they filmed a cameo mm -hmm. um, scene with him, but they ended up cutting it. So um, ah. it would've been interesting. I was going to say, I saw cameo and i was like i don't remember seeing him in there but mm -hmm. that makes sense they yes. cut it. yeah it would have been interesting to see what his cameo was mm -hmm. yeah i wonder if there's a deleted scene if it exists somewhere mm -hmm. that we could find or something but um anyways uh for a um a glimpse into the the times of 1979 um the the top three movies that year uh were superman uh the amityville horror and rocky 2 um the jerk came in at number seven on the list but what's interesting is uh I don't know how accurate this this website is, but it um, says that the uh, the jerk grossed seventy three million dollars in nineteen seventy nine, but it was released on December fourteenth. So either this either this website's wrong or it made a lot of money in two weeks, and I feel like it probably is more the website's wrong, yeah, or that it made that much while it was out, not in that year. Yeah. I think yeah, it, I maybe know. it's saying that. I don't know how they rank the the top, top grossing movies and what their timeline is for when yeah. they cut that maybe money that, off. Maybe but the 1979 gross there just means like in 1979 dollars or not adjusted for inflation or anything. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, the top three songs released that year were My Sharona by The Knack, 
Bad Girls by Donna Summer and La Freak by Sheik? Chick? I would say Sheik. 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 Um, I definitely know my Sharona. I definitely know who Donna Summer is. But mm-hmm. uh, I know La Freak too. Gotcha. I, I feel a little more cultured because I've actually heard of these songs. Unlike <laughs> yeah. last week, everything I was like, I have not heard of yeah. any of this. Um, yeah. So interesting. That was, that was what was uh, popular at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, that, that concludes our subplanet segment. So um, let's move into what are we drinking tonight? Tonight we are drinking, I believe it's a 2017 Petite Verdot from Tobin James. Yes. Tobin James Silver Reserve Petite Verdot mm-hmm. from 2017. I'm quite excited to try this because I'm a big Petite Verdot fan. So mm-hmm. I think I haven't had too many, but the ones I've had, I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed. I think like I've only had like three or four different Petite Verdots. Yeah, but that one is mm-hmm. so good. It's very pungent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really getting much on the not really getting much on the nose there. Again, I don't know. It's, it kind of smells similar to me like last week. It's got um, like a sweetness, like a vanilla. I was going to say raisin again, so similar <laughs> sweetness, but and like some dark fruit, not overwhelming mm-hmm. tart dark fruit, but just maybe some plum or something. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. Oh, I almost got like some cherry Kool-Aid flavor there. <laughs> I don't know it was how a lot, like sweeter. It, it, I didn't get much at first, and all of a sudden it was just like boom. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it is power of persuasion, or I just can't put my finger on what the flavor is until you say it out loud, and then I can taste it. But I definitely I can see the Kool-Aid for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely get some like rich, bright, bright red cherry flavor there. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm. wish i had more to say about it but that's, yeah it doesn't I, feel too complex but it's it's feeling like a pretty yeah. solid start just like very mm-hmm. uh, i mean just like it's gonna be good mm-hmm. nothing overwhelming but delicious yeah so we'll see how we feel after two glasses of it all right and now what are we watching tonight we are watching young frankenstein from 19 19- 1974. Yeah. I believe it was on the top grossing movies from the year. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 1974. Blazing Saddles came out. Um, did we look to see what its rating is though? PG-13 or R? Um, oh, I did not. I. Um, while you look that up. Um, up there, it sure. looks like it says PG. Oh, I doubt that. That can't be true. Can it? Young Frankenstein. I don't know. We'll see how accurate it is. Um. I kind of think I've seen it before. I'm not 100% certain. Jumping into the next question. Um, I feel like I have maybe like in college for a class or something. I think we learned about the Frankenstein story and all that stuff, but I can't be certain. So we'll see if once it gets started, if it feels familiar and I can confirm yeah. if I've seen it. It says, says PG, so shouldn't, shouldn't expect anything too dirty, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a hard pivot from yeah. the styles of movies we've watched the last two weeks yeah or honestly the whole time yeah or maybe pg was just a lot different back in 1974 yeah we'll see um what have uh, you seen it before i've not seen it before um i've only ever heard about it but i know almost nothing about it i just i guess assume it's like a funny um telling of like the story of frankenstein and dr mm-hmm. frankenstein um but it says young so maybe it predates all that and it's more about like 
backstory, origin story, maybe. Ooh. Um, but yeah, that's, mm-hmm. I know it's got, um, uh, oh God, blanking on his name. Gene, Gene Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Gene Hackman. That's not, <laughs> that's a different person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Gene Wilder in it. In it. Um, and that's, I think there's a character named Igor. Is that Frankenstein's like assistant? I assume that he's in it, it too as like a, um, I don't know who the actor is, but character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, you, you hear of the story of Frankenstein, like, you know, of Frankenstein, but I'm just, I'm not confident in how well I know the story mm-hmm. to be really confident in answering any of the things you just asked. <laughs> and I, I feel like I've probably seen this movie before, but unlike you, I don't remember mm-hmm. every detail of my life all the time <laughs> and everything I've seen and everything I've I mean, read, I, but I was pretty hazy on two of the movies that I've true. already seen before. Um, so yeah. Like the risky business, completely mm-hmm. forgetting the entire premise of the movie. So <laughs> that's I true. put too much stock in my memory that's true. 10 years ago. I'm learning so much about you. Yeah. I thought you just remembered everything <laughs> that ever happened. So this is it opening up a new as, side. As I, as I watch yeah. it, but um, yeah. Yeah. I'm def- I am excited to see it again. I mentioned it to my mom and she was excited about how much she loved this movie. And mm-hmm. I feel like you mentioned a couple of people that you've said that really loved this movie. So I um, hope it lives up to the hype. Yeah. And it was also, it was one of the top grossing movies in 1974 based on our deep dive a couple weeks ago, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't know how many movies came out per year that were really tracked back mm-hmm. then, but um, it was definitely one of the top movies then, so. Yeah, all right. Let's well, jump in. Young Frankenstein. Uh, let's do this. All right. Cheers. Cheers to Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Whoop. Um, I guess it was long. (laughs) (laughs) It really wasn't that long. It was an hour and 36 minutes. It felt really slow. We, uh, we've had a week and last night we stayed up late. (laughs) Yeah. So we're just really tired is the only problem. It was not that long of a movie. Let's, we always do this. Yeah. Wine. Hour and 46 minutes. Hang on. I, hour and 46 minutes. I feel like it's pretty long for a comedy. I feel like You're comedies right. Sorry. are usually a little under an hour and a half. Hour and 46 minutes. I said hour and 36 minutes. Yeah. My math's off because I'm so tired. It felt long. Um, and I think also we'll get to this in a minute. Let's. Yeah. I know. That's yeah. what I was saying. Stop. Okay. But we just got to yeah. wine scale. Right. So remember the scale, our wine scale is like mm-hmm. good wines. It's not like the worst wine you ever had. It's the best wine you ever had. It's a little bit more of a condensed scale. So what's your wine rating? Uh, and just as a reminder, it's the 2017 Tobin James Petit. Silver Reserve Petit Verdot. Petit Verdot. I give it a 5.3. Well... We're good. I had it as a 5.2. I had to double check to make yeah. sure. I wrote it down. It, it, it's not that it was like, it's not that it was a bad wine. It just, I think it doesn't help that I've had some really good Petit Verdots. Mm-hmm. That to me, it just felt kind of underwhelming. Um, and I think we're also like, this is episode six. So six weeks in a row, we've opened very nice bottles of wine mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of like really good wine yeah. recently as opposed to just bring, drinking like and run-of-the-mill grocery had, store wine had like you know a lot of complexity and this one and last week's was like really good there wasn't too much um but i feel like a 5.3 like it was you know it was good um obviously our, our scale like a zero is still like a nice wine mm-hmm. um the way that it's it's weighted i i'm not gonna like go back to the store and get it again it's um, not something that's gonna stick yeah. out to me that i'm gonna remember for a long time but yeah. um and like you said, we, we've had some Petit Verdots that mm-hmm. just really, really have knocked yeah. out of the park. I feel like I've had some Petit Verdots that 
Tiverdo's that like approach the nine plus like on the on oh this for sure have been like that's kind of almost why this gets, feels like it gets docked more than if this was just like a cab salve. But I will also give it like a five point two with an asterisk in that I don't know how long we've actually had this wine and how well this particular bottle was kept. That I don't know if it was just because we didn't age it correctly. Yeah, but I didn't feel like it would went bad. It didn't feel like it taste like it was like soured. It just felt like. And like, I don't know how wines like, I'm just saying like, it might've been a good wine in 2017 when it came Mm -hmm. out. We are not the best we've been for the last like couple of years. We've kept all of our wines as soon as we get them straight to the basement. But there was a while where we were storing them upstairs. Pretty consistent temperature year round, like deep in the practically like we've gotten better into the, into a cave in our, in our basement. Um, yeah, but yeah. It was yeah. not. It was nothing over the top, and especially I think it's also hard coming off for last week was really good. Mm-hmm. That now, if Tobin James wanted to sponsor us, then I would say that's definitely a ten out of ten, <laughs> the best wine that I've ever had. Personally. We do really love you, Tobin James, and we are anxiously awaiting our spring shipment. Yeah, another shipment any day now. I feel like it's going to ship. Oh my God, stop! Um, I can't wait. I mean, they posted on Instagram that they're going to be shipping soon. I've not gotten charged, so it's it's. Uh, I always wait for the credit card charge. Yeah, but mm-hmm. can't wait. All right. Just as we've gone through like 10 this year, we'll get another eight all mm-hmm. of a sudden. So yeah. we're back where we started. Um, all right. Yeah. Movie rating out of 10. Movie rating out of 10. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to say yours first? You can you can say yours first. I gave it a 6.8. Mm. I gave it a 5.1. I think that's mildly influenced by how tired you are. No. And honestly, it, it kind of fluctuated throughout the movie. Um, it started out and I was like, you know, this is not great. It's like a, a five flat or, even, you know, even less. There were some like funny moments. Um, it was decent, but then it, if I could just dragged on and it kind of, that kind of like ran it down for me. It, it, it we, I feel like we need to create a rubric for this of like how we rate these of like qu- getting you know, technical over here. I mean, like I, I think there's some, some, uh, like quotability, um, you know, w- whether it influenced other things, how likely we are to rewatch it how likely we would be to watch it if it was on like if we were flipping channels mm-hmm. if we did that anymore if we were flipping channels and it was on how likely would we be to continue watching it um you're giving me real flashbacks to my uh, teaching days of how to actually i know i mm-hmm. learned that there are t- like criteria for creating a rubric that you're naming a lot of things that are really taking me yeah, back here I, I feel like maybe we should create like some sort of rating system i i do kind of like just the off the cuff subjective rating um i mean for this. i i appreciate especially because this is something that we're doing hopefully long-term mm-hmm. of having some kind of rubric and a little bit more reasoning behind our mm-hmm. score. But I also feel like there's a lot to be said of like, I just finished this movie or while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And this is the number that just sticks out to me. Yeah. That maybe like we into the, our like slept on it portion, pull in more of like a rubric style. Like, you know, I thought about it yeah. and based on all this criteria, this is my score, but I, I really like the raw mm-hmm. reaction yeah, rating. Raw reaction definitely is a, it's a, is a five one for me. And it, it crept up. I, at one point I, I was considering giving it a 6.8 and then it just kept going. Mm-hmm. I kind of lost like a bit of interest in it a little. Um, but it just five one. And I appreciate that. I will say I gave it a 6.8 because I feel like I've laughed the most this week of the comedies that we've watched recently. It was, it, it had some good jokes. And I think also having watched Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks style film, and to have another Mel Brooks film mm-hmm. and knowing at least one other off the top of my head and just thinking about like a, really thinking of what his style is and 
putting more brain power to it besides, oh, I'm watching this movie, haha. Ha. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate kind of what he looked for in comedy and how he wrote his stuff. And I'm excited to do a couple of deep dives this week, just, or more specifically mm-hmm. into Mel Brooks and his writing and like what inspired what he even picked to write movies about. Yeah. And I have a couple of notes that I'll get into it later, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't make a note of this, but I did think about it during the movie that I think this was one of the first Mel Brooks movies that I've seen where I didn't, I, 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 allegedly he was in it. He had a role. He said he played, um, I think Victor Frankenstein. So must, I don't know who that was. But um, I feel like most Mel Brooks movies, I see him like playing three or four different roles. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really notice him in this movie. Yeah, I didn't notice him either. But isn't that Frank, the like Frankenstein in this, his dad? Like, it must have been his dad because the grandfather was in the painting and that was mm-hmm. um, obviously Gene Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyways, um, I guess, should we give a uh, description? Do you want me to? Go first. Yeah, you gotta give your you, you give your description first and then I'll read that. Yeah, so this wasn't necessarily or this definitely wasn't an origin story. It was um it was a uh, Gene Wilder played um Fre- Frederick Frederick Frank Frankenstein and von Frankenstein and uh he is the grandson of the original Dr. Frankenstein and um doesn't want anything to do with his family's past, but it ends up in, I guess, the will or something, goes back to Transylvania or wherever he is. Um, Transylvania is Dracula. I don't know if it's Transylvania. goes back to wherever... Um, he he's, it goes to Transylvania. Okay. Um, and uh, resume, ends up resuming um, his grandfather's work after discovering his journals and ends up essentially recreating, I guess, the entire, the entire story of Frankenstein with a little more comedic twist, obviously, of resurrecting um, a zombie a monster and um yeah he ends up um i don't, I don't know. i think that's a good i think yeah. that's a good summary yeah I, as i say i don't really know how to explain kind of the ending of it in a way where it just kind of kind of goes a little off mm-hmm. off the rails um but yeah um the description according to what is up here on our television is a young neurosurgeon inherits the castle of his grandfather the famous dr victor von frankenstein in the castle he finds a funny hunchback (laughs) a pretty lab assistant and the elderly housekeeper asterisk i have something to say about that in a second uh young frankenstein believes that the work of his grandfather was delusional but when he discovers the books where the mad doctor described his reanimation experiment dot 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 tv cuts it off awkward we'll never know when he discovers these books he gets excited about his research and decides Mm -hmm. to recreate it more or less um just quick side note on the fact that it says the elderly housekeeper who is played by cloris leachman Mm -hmm. she was 42 years old when this film was made so apparently 42 is elderly so just keep that in mind as 42 Comes up in the next 10 I mean, years for us. Uh, what, Mrs. Robinson was, what did you say, 36? I think she was 35, 35 when the movie 25, was filmed. And yeah. That was like the cougar. True. So, man, like. Our perspective of age has old. really changed over we the are, years. We're on the cusp, <laughs> cusp of being ancient all of a sudden. Um, and also back to the rating, according to the TV, the star rating is a 7.9. And it's got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. I. I do find it interesting. Um, Rotten Tomatoes is significantly higher than the star rating, and I wonder how much that takes into account, like the fact that Rotten Tomatoes was in like, like created 
long after this movie was released. So mm-hmm. these are not any sort of like gut reactions or, you know, here's how it was reviewed at the time mixed with the ratings of here's how it was eventually perceived with, a you know, the historical lens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have no idea where these actual star rating, like the star rating is actually mm-hmm. coming from. Where is that? What information is that based off of? I don't know where the star rating comes from, but the, the Rotten Tomatoes is like how many... Um, overall reviews rate it positively versus negative mm-hmm. negatively and kind of rates it that that way so um but i think that that kind of does skew some of the older movies like the the quote-unquote classics are mm-hmm. going to be rated higher in rotten tomatoes because they are viewed as the from the lens of being a classic various movies that were released after rotten tomatoes imdb all those kind of um were uh solidified those are going to be more like a combination of you know what are the reviews at the time versus you know five years ten years down the road um you know, how do we look back on, on them? And it mm-hmm. kind of averages that out. So take that with that grain of salt, I guess, on yeah. salted tomato. Salted tomato. Um, All right. Um, was the movie what you expected? No, because like I said before, I thought it was going, the, the fact that the title is Young Frankenstein, I thought it was going to be kind of like a Young Sheldon type situation where it was going to be the origin story or something. <laughs> Obviously, I knew it was uh, Gene Wilder. I knew he mm-hmm. was going to be so young, but I just assumed it was going to be like a, how did he get into reanimation or what sort of like, you know, experiments did he run before he settled on creating Frankenstein's monster? Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I thought it was similar to what you said, and I don't know if that's because you said that mm-hmm. beforehand. I don't actually think I've seen this now that I think about it. I was probably confusing it more with Dracula, and I might have seen bits and pieces of it before. I don't mm-hmm. think I've, I've never watched it all the way through now that I've watched it, um, but I do think the the style of the film and the setting and all that stuff was a lot more, was definitely what I was expecting going yeah, into it. I knew it was black and white, obviously. Yeah. Movies at the time were not all black and white um so i kind of expected it to be kind of that like um really old style of like humor and and jokes with a bit of like modern references into an old-timey thing and that's kind of the, the joke the mm-hmm. joke the, the humor level is what more what i expected um the and i'll get to this in my notes the um the crudeness of the humor was not what i expected given the peachy read yes yeah i have things to say about that too we'll save that for a minute yeah um, let's go into how well did it age and could it be made today? Um, how well did it age? I think it aged mostly fine other than the, the rating. It definitely I, wouldn't be PG today. I think the setting of it has something to do with that too. It's not like it was shot in the seventies, like, or like it was shot in the seventies and made this or like mm-hmm. set in the seventies. It was shot in the seventies made or set in like the, the thirties from the light Googling I did, mm-hmm. Um, when we took a quick popcorn break, <laughs> um, yeah. that I think because it was kind of set in that old timey black and white, mm-hmm. you obviously know it's, and it has the comedy bits to it too, that I think that helps yeah, it age. Yeah, they're like fine. joking about Ovaltine and obviously like that, like that's, was a, a much more of a, um, anachronism type, type joke mm-hmm. there where it just, um, was play, playing fun at that. But, um, could it be made today? I, I have in my, I know, my notes there um, that I think that if it were made today, I think that his fiance would have been played by Leslie Mann and Frankenstein's monster would be played by Jason Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. about the ending scene. Love it. The ending scene where they're like uh, in I bed see or whatever and mm-hmm. she's um, going on and he's like, I don't even know. So does that make like Paul Rudd, Gene Wilder? That's what I was trying to figure out. Is who, who would have played him? I guess if you're going with that, um, 
either that or Seth Rogen. <laughs> I think Paul Rudd's a better choice. Yeah, but I think they could have really gone with like a, a different vibe with um, Seth Rogen. For sure. And that kind of, I don't know, I'll get into it about the cast but of this. Again, I but think Seth Rogen would have been a better Igor. There it is. It, it, yeah. We're figuring it out. <laughs> it's coming. We're just spitballing back and forth. So in our remake, there's, there's the, the... In the 2020s remake. Yeah. Does that like, does that group have like a a name? I mean, they were obviously in, in like knocked up and everything together, mm -hmm. but um, I feel like a lot of the, the comedy troops have like a, a name or something. Um, but yeah, I feel like if they remade it with that group, it could be, could be funny. Same vibe today. Yeah. I'd be interested to see a 2020s remake. I mean, we're mm -hmm. coming up on 50 years that... Mm -hmm. let's do it hollywood yeah all right um were there any actors that went on to do bigger things um yes um that's a big old stacked cast yeah i mean besides the obvious stars in there um uh the frankenstein's monster was played by um peter boyle who um went on to do a whole lot of things most of what we know him for was, was like um everybody loves raymond mm -hmm. and um the santa the claus, santa claus. Santa Claus and Santa Claus two different characters. He played his boss in yes. Santa Claus one. He played Father Time, Father Time, Father yeah. Time in Santa Claus two and was he in three as well. I think he passed away he before passed away. three. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like you, I feel like that's that's but right. I can't be a hundred percent certain, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and also, <laughs> Gene Hackman was in fact in this <laughs> when I was saying earlier that I had uh, Gene Wilder confused with Gene Hackman. Turns out Gene Hackman was in this as the the blind man. Mm -hmm. Um, went on to much bigger things than playing some, you know, comedic role in this movie. Yeah. And then, um, and I mean, Cloris Leachman's in this and she's obviously very famous, mm -hmm. but also we kind of talked about during Blazing Saddles, how, you know, was the Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder, like, was it, did you call it like an ensemble cast? Like, yeah. or like the, um, kind of like what I was saying with like, the, with the Adam Sandler version. and, like um, Rob Schneider, like mm -hmm. these groups that just like always make movies together and there's Gene Wilder and then, um, Madeline Kahn comes on mm -hmm. and she was also in Blazing, Blazing Saddles and it was directed by Mel Brooks that kind of mm -hmm. seems like we've got at least like a, a small group that keeps going together. I will say in, in, in Blazing Saddles, I thought that the executioner was the same character that played Igor in this and it's not. Um, but in that research, I found out that, um, the Igor actor, he put his like bulging eyes. It was like a thyroid condition that made him have that. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of like leaned into it. And apparently a lot of women at the time found him very attractive despite that, um, interesting. I guess with the confidence, I guess we researched uh, different things about him mid movie because I found out that he died of a heart attack at mm -hmm. the age of 48. Yep. Died young. Mm-hmm. Well, so. ancient apparently. According uh, yeah, to according that, to this, he, yeah. according to the description of this movie, he was elderly, yeah. <laughs> old age of forty-eight. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, all right, does the title fit the movie, or did they say the title of the movie in the movie? I don't think they did. I mean, obviously they said Frankenstein I, a lot, but I don't think they said Young Frankenstein. I, I guess they said it in the things. description right here. Mm -hmm. I don't think they said. I, I'm thinking back of the description yeah. that I just read. I don't think they said it in the movie. Um, having read this description here, mm. I guess I see it, how it fits, but I think it very much to me seemed like it was some kind of like origin story type movie that mm. I don't love. I mean, I, I feel like the title doesn't really describe it, but it, I mean, it does, I but it, it doesn't. Like, you know, Frankenstein the third or, mm -hmm. um, the next Frankenstein, yeah, something better than that. But like three or like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like there's, it, I didn't, it didn't quite fit it because it was misleading. Mm -hmm. 
um, and that you would you would view that as, as an origin story. Um, but yeah, I don't think that there's anything that would have fit it besides Frankenstein plus like something to denote that he was um, a descendant. Mm-hmm. Like almost like Bride of Chucky as like the sequel to the Chucky movies. Um, oh man. So what else do we have? Um, what impact do you think the movie had on pop culture? Um, I don't know if the movie itself really had a direct effect. I think it was just kind of one of the, another of the Mel Brooks mm-hmm. movies. Um, I think that it definitely more made fun of a previous culture mm-hmm. than it was culturally significant, like impacting culture itself. Yeah. And I think if anything, uh, like what I take like from a pop culture standpoint is more of Mel Brooks's style mm-hmm. of comedy. And I have some notes on that in a minute, but mm-hmm. I think that's more of his impact is, you know, Mel Brooks like making his mark of this is who I am as a comedian and as a writer and a director and whatever. Not, yeah. not that this necessarily influenced other things, but yeah. I feel more familiar with Mel Brooks more so than I feel cultured after watching it. Yes. Um, but is he not a pop culture? True. Depends on how you look at it. Yeah. And do you feel cultured after watching it? That's what I was going to say. I feel more cultured in Mel Brooks um, mm-hmm. than I do in, in like pop culture in general. But I mean, I don't think I'm going to go around like quoting it. I mean, if no. people say like, have you seen it? I obviously now can say that I have seen it. Um, um, I do feel cultured. Just, I feel like I've heard it before, like heard of mm-hmm. this movie. Um, obviously more so recently in the most recent weeks since we just watched Blazing Saddle. Mm-hmm. I've heard about it more in the last few weeks than I have in my whole life, but I have heard it before to kind of have this in my wheelhouse of Plus, I feel like watching any black and white movies just kind of like, it's like a cheat code to make yourself feel more cultured. That is true. Like the time that I watched uh, Nebraska and the movie happened, it was like made in like 2010 or something, happened to be filmed in black and white. And I'm like, oh yes, this is very artsy. I'm very, very sophisticated <laughs> now. <laughs> true. All right. Do you want to go first or do you want to go first on your notes? Uh, you can go first. Okay. I, I think, first I think you went week. first last week. All right, so just kind of jumping back, I had my Mel Brooks stuff at the beginning um, and just appreciating what he his style of comedy was. And um, I noticed that he kind of always seems to set his movies in a different time period. So this was shot in the 70s, and this was like supposedly set in like the 30s. And Blazing Saddles was probably somewhere in the 1800s. Spaceballs was, was in the future, future. <laughs> that like his style of comedy is taking you out of reality mm-hmm. into like current uh, out of current times into some other time mm-hmm. and kind of um, and I mean and it's all like satire making fun of the Wild West making fun of this of yeah, the Frankenstein like making you, fun of Star Wars Star Trek like taking you to a different time but also having direct references to the time at the time mm-hmm. like the reference to like Ovaltine in this and like the Winnebago in Spaceballs mm-hmm. um, it very much felt like it's kind of it's a good like hybrid of it's like it's like current 90% time. that time period but like 10% is some references to mm-hmm. when he made the movie. Yeah, and I uh, you know obviously it's not the 70s or the 80s anymore so his those references are outdated mm-hmm. but I I think that's such a cool style of comedy it's not something that you see a whole lot of you know we're taking you out of the present and but I'm still going to tie in a little bit of current stuff that's going on and mm-hmm. um, it just seems like a very unique perspective on comedy and film style. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it more now it's than I like almost before. like a time capsule within a time capsule. Love that. That's exact. That is exactly it. <laughs> um, Write that down in the show notes. 
my next note is Gene Wilder. He he has a look. Let me tell you. Um, the first thing I noticed was his makeup. In this movie, he had some eyeliner and some serious mascara. Mascara game, very strong on Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. I could not unsee it. Um, I don't know if that's something that he has in all of his movies or if I just noticed it more because of the black and white and I felt like there was a lot more like close-ups on his face in this, but he was definitely wearing a lot of eye makeup in this movie. And I feel like he he has like um, a sorrow like to his, his acting and his comedy. I don't know. There's something about him where I almost feel like he looks unhappy a lot of times when he's acting and like the jokes, there's like a, almost like a sadness to things, especially the, I mean, the first big thing I saw him in was... Um, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. And it, I don't know. He just seems like a guy who's like laughing so he doesn't cry in a lot of things that he does. There's something that he reminds me of that I'm going to have to do research because I can't think of it off the top of my head. But I do think he has like almost like, f- I, I hate to say feminine features, but like feminine expressions are like just very like gentle mm-hmm. expressions. And his eyes, I feel like, are very feminine, very soft eyes. Soft and I don't know if I say that because he was wearing mascara in this, <laughs> <That's gonna> <laughs> but, <laughs> that. but I noticed it in blazing saddles. And uh, when Especially I think on his eyes to Willy Wonka, eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a fair the comparison juxtaposition there. I think really influenced yeah. it. <laughs> um, and then also continuing on his looks for a hot second, his comb over man, his part was like just above his ear. Mm-hmm. And just going all the way over his head. Plus, he really, really needed some kind of product in his hair. It looked so dry and frizzy. And I know that was mm-hmm. probably leaning a little bit more into the like mad scientist vibe. I but think it was definitely a mad scientist vibe. But I just, I just really wanted to just put a little bit of conditioner in his hair. I think some of the shots they really wanted him to look kind of crazy. And, yeah, and it and it got more extreme towards the end. But even at the beginning, I was like, ooh, just like a little, mm-hmm. little something here and there. Um, and then I think we both have notes on this, but the PG rating. So we like made a point of looking at PG before, like looking at the rating and paying attention to that before mm-hmm. we even started. And within what, the first like five minutes, they're saying son of a bitch, bastard. bastard yes. Yeah, son of a bitch. I think a couple times there, um, a lot the, of really just crude humor. Oh yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. I mean, honestly, throughout the whole thing, so a lot of sexual. And then it got real sexual at the end. Yeah. Um, that I just, I, in the beginning, when they were with some of the the cussing, I was like thinking myself, like watching it with like a we'll say seven year old. I feel like seven mm-hmm. years old is probably a good like starting to bridge into PG mm-hmm. movies, obviously. And PG stands for parental guidance. Yeah, but like and you're I'm supposed like, to watch it with yeah, somebody that's I older. Watch it and be like, explain later. Be like, okay, those are some funny words. We're not going to go and say them all the time. Understand what those uh, words mean. But then it got to the point where I'm like, it just feels like this should have been PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. At least. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially all the, like, sexual references and jokes like that. And, I mean, I thought they were funny, but Mm -hmm. I would not want my younger, like, my elementary-aged child Yeah. Not that we're, like, super, like, protective of anything that, you know, our kids watch, but I feel like I couldn't make the case for this being a PG movie. It just felt like PG-13 would be a bit more capable of handling most of the humor there. For sure. Or even appreciating the humor there. Obviously, in a lot of kids' movies, I've found now watching it with kid with our own kids is that there's a lot of jokes that are a little more adult over the heads of the kids. Like way, go way over the heads, and you watch it like 15 years later, and like, oh my god, I can't believe they were joking about that. This was very much in your face, and I feel like even as a seven year old, you would be like, I am embarrassed to watch this with my parents <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So again, like we kind of talked about last week, it'll be interesting to pay attention to these ratings and kind of see how they compare to the ratings of things today. Um. 
And then uh, I made a note about cross eyes because I talked, I guess it was also Blazing Saddles with the cross. No, oh, no, no, no. It was the jerk last week with his OptiGrab. Yes, yes. That it was just something about the 70s and the 80s where they really thought the cross eyes joke was really funny. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy, the, the experiment in the classroom. And quicksand. Yeah. The big, easy, the easy shortcuts to, to humor there. Again, and I worried a lot about cross eyes in my life. How was my eyes when we start to cross forever? And mm-hmm. I understand why, because it was apparently referenced in a lot of <laughs> different movies. Mm-hmm. Um, also like the cross eyes was in the classroom at the beginning, his like, um, science classroom in the beginning of the movie, college classroom. And I was kind of impressed by the diversity in the class. There was, um, a handful. I mean, I guess this was set in the thirties supposedly ish Mm -hmm. that it was a whole bunch of women in there, which I don't think of in the 1930s -hmm. there being a bunch of women in a like neuroscience class. Yeah. There was also, um, there were like the calling the nurses, I feel like would have been more what they would have been true cast into at that time there's also a handful of um black people and it was a black woman in there too which i Mm. feel like that was not something that would have been very super common in the 30s as well as at least one asian man Mm -hmm. um i started to notice it towards the end but just i think the black and white setting and it's a bit more of like this the late 70s or i guess mid 70s seeping into the quote-unquote 30s timeline or when that would have been Mm -hmm. Um, cause yeah, I think at the time it definitely would not have been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the seventies though, I feel like it's still a little bit of a stretch that, mm-hmm. um, I think they were pushing the envelope obviously with a movie earlier that year with blazing saddles that I think that true. Mel Brooks was just, uh, pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. Good on you, Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um, and then I had a note about Madeline Kahn, who was the singer in blazing saddles and the like type of cast. And, um, I just was not expecting to see her again. And that was, um, uh, it was nice to have had, I feel like that was the first time I've appreciate, appreciated that we were watching these movies mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, well, like my knowledge of this movie has uh, like built as being built on with this movie and just kind of seeing like the crossover of all those things has been really cool. Um, and then get, to get a little bit into the uh, videography, cinematography situation, some of the transitions in this movie felt very much like I'm working in iMovie, like circa like middle high school, trying to make some kind of cool artsy, I was say Windows Movie Maker. like artsy slideshow of me and my friends or like my like soccer team for the year. And I put the like spinning transition to go mm-hmm. to the next clip or um, there was, I think there's one that was like a diamond shape that then like faded out. And mm-hmm. it just felt like all the like very stereotypical video editing movie clip picture transitions. I didn't focus on that as much, but I did notice that it felt like it might have been on purpose because um, I, I started paying attention while they were in the uh, castle is that it felt like a lot of the focal links in the field of view felt very narrow and like claustrophobic almost that I don't know if it was just that's more what cameras, especially like when you're in a tight place, kind of were forced into was a very narrow field of view. Uh, but it felt like I was very much like on top of them for a lot of it, unless mm-hmm. they were like outside doing a you know, the scene like in the mm-hmm. graveyard or something, it felt like they felt very close to all the action. Yeah. I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Um, I did in my quick search, trying to figure out what year it was like really set in. It seems like Mel Brooks was trying to copy the style of cinematography of the thirties. Mm-hmm. So uh, my um, knowledge of 1930s movies is probably non-existent. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever watched a movie that's that old, but it, I wonder if that plays into I that. I did want, and I, I made a note in mind that I wish I'd recently watched the original 
like Frankenstein. Right. I thought um, the same thing. I wonder how much of these were direct recreations of the scenes. And I think I'll probably a lot mm-hmm. of it um, that I th- wonder if we would have seen a lot more similarity in the, the shooting style and the, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the cinematography, the focal links, um, field of view and, and all that. I, um, I wonder if they were trying to just mimic that style. Yeah. I, I feel like they, they really were. And so I'm definitely adding the original Frankenstein to our list because I think that will be a fun call back to this whenever we get to it, probably closer to October would be my guess mm-hmm. would be to watch it at, at that one, yeah. um, spooky season. Right. Mm-hmm. Call <laughs> um, that one, the old Frankenstein. True. Um, and then I also said like, feels like it was shot in a different style from the 1970s. Um, and that was before I looked up that he apparently was very intentional with like how he was doing his shots and the, the color balance and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I um, will probably do a little bit more reading up on that before next week, but um, it's, and that's why I feel like I really am enjoying doing this podcast is I'm paying attention to a lot more stuff like that. And I don't, I think I would have just been like, Oh, I'm watching this movie. I don't know that I would have really thought about like, Oh, how did they shoot this? Or like, did they, was this on purpose? And just thinking a little bit more of the creative side of how the movie was shot as opposed Mm -hmm. to just the like writing of the movie, which I think is what you think of more. It's one of those things. I like, I noticed those um, aspects and I'm like, I asked myself like, is it because they're trying to like make it feel more claustrophobic? Is it because they're trying to recreate like that, that style? Is it, is it because that's the equipment they had at the time? Um, Like, was there a reason behind a lot of it? sometimes you you watch a movie and you don't realize that you were feeling this like feeling of claustrophobia or you were feeling this feeling of like feeling like small minuscule be- because of the way it was shot and mm-hmm. it was done deliberately to give you that feeling and that's like really really cool yeah. um but i also wonder how much of that is thought of consistently especially in something like a comedy mm-hmm. that's trying to be give an old um old uh nostalgic or not nostalgic but like or old-timey um Mm -hmm. yeah i think again it'll be interesting to just continue to watch more movies and pay attention to this Mm -hmm. stuff and kind of see how all of that stuff changes over the times yeah um there's a lot of fake smoke in this movie uh like around the train scene Mm -hmm. and in the lab and i mean obviously i I mean it was definitely like a satire but um i I mean it was very noticeable and i thought it was funny but Mm -hmm. um just quick little note about that um then i a note about the the sedative that they put into frankenstein when he was under the net mm-hmm. and she just stabbed it in him and just didn't didn't plunge it at all and then she picks it out and it's like spewing it's everywhere yeah. and like, <laughs> just very funny yeah. it was and i think it was just those like little comedy things that, that were like, very funny it all, and, then she pulls it, I see. <laughs> and i feel like that was just like the style of all the jokes in this was mm-hmm. just these little things that are really dumb mm-hmm. but just that just made you laugh yeah um, and also when, I mean, I thought the whole let's present Frankenstein in front of a theater full of people thing was definitely a 1930s thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just a note about like throwing things at performers and why that just felt like it was acceptable. Bring cabbage to movies. And, and, and I made a note about specifically that they threw produce at people. Like is, is food not like mm-hmm. something that you're worried about just like wasting on you, bad performers that you're gonna just I would throw hope you at at least people? bring like bad produce like if it was gone bad maybe i mean isn't that why it's but called then, like, rotten tomatoes 
But do you like want to bring that to like the movie and be like sitting with it? Like you're watching a movie and you're like, well, I've got this really like old, nasty smelling cabbage in my lap. But like in the off chance that they're not doing really well, I'm going to chug it. But if they're doing well, like what do you do? Do they leave it there? Do you bring it home with you? Do you like take it outside and find Very the trash? True. I didn't even somewhere? think that you'd have to sit with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. But have we just like evolved more of us as a society that we don't bring our old produce to I guess we're not going to as many live shows, but I mean, can you imagine someone going to Hamilton and not liking it, and just People like chucking their, their like they bad lettuce? Now. Yeah, you don't bring your lettuce. <laughs> I guess true, throwing beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I felt like that was such a something like obviously like, we don't go to as many like live shows anymore, but it's something that you hear. go to the theater. Yeah, we're not <laughs> theater people. Um, and. Um, that's like pretty much it. I had a couple other things, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for my notes, I, I talked about it being um, like black and white and just that being an interesting choice there. Obviously it was to kind of throw back to the original Frankenstein mm-hmm. movie. I think it fit it though. Um, obviously it's an older movie. So I know that that was not like typical for the time. It, I can see a lot of people thinking like, oh, Young Frankenstein, it's a black and white movie. It must be like really, really old, but it's clearly making fun of that. Um, the iconic, like, dramatic sound, like the uh, dramatic chipmunk, the dun-dun-dun that mm-hmm. they uh, did several times. At first, I was like, oh, is that, like, what this is originally from or something, given that this movie is a little older? But the fact that they played it so many times, it felt like they were overdoing it, especially in the beginning, for that mm-hmm. you know, over-the-top dramatic sound, um, just to, to kind of make that funny. Uh, we talked about the the cussing, the crude humor, and the, the sex scene, um, which I think like the sex scene was very much more like a rapey scene. It would not be as the as the Frankenstein today. and the fiance, yeah, or them cave. on the um, on the platform. Yeah, yeah the platform. I think was more just like a affair in the lab type thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the um, taking her to a cave and then like showing her his gigantic dong or something. I think that was mm-hmm. a bit more like uh, crude, especially for the fact that I just can't get over the those things that it was rated PG, mm-hmm. like definitely would not fly today. I mean, like, you know, the well, types of parents that are around today. Nowadays, though, Mark, something like probably like PG-13 just because they were smoking cigarettes in it. Mm-hmm. That I, this, There's no way this would continue to have that Absolutely rating. Not. Um, but wild, wild times. Um, I no, oh, wow. noted that I wished that I had watched the, the original first mm-hmm. just to... Have that appreciate it and we, i mean we kind of said the same thing with bla- seen, blazing saddles before. of like i wish we'd watched more westerns beforehand to appreciate it but at the same time like now we have these we're watching these yeah we have these to mm-hmm. appreciate that when we do watch like the the original frankenstein or a traditional western type mm-hmm. movie that we can see where oh like that's where this came from or that's why they were making fun of this and i imagine that we'll have the um awareness to realize as we watch movies that are older than these to be like these weren't influenced by Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein Blazing Saddles were making Very fun true. of this. Very true. Uh, mentioned um, Peter Boyle and uh, Igor, its actor. Um, talked about that we needed a rubric for our ratings. Um, I did really enjoy the the subtle jokes. Um, it didn't feel like a lot of these jokes were like in your face or over the top. Mm-hmm. Some of them, you left a couple of them that I honestly like it, I didn't pick up on until after you laughed that mm-hmm. they were like very much like subtle and also the the continuity of some of the jokes is good I, too like the uh the, the dart scene where mm-hmm. you the darts and they, they come out and you just see it mm-hmm. all in the in the tires of the car and the um every time he said the the elderly housekeeper's name that the mm-hmm. horses would freak yeah. out um and I and I think that's why 
I appreciate it so much is yeah. it was not like, oh, I'm I'm obviously trying to make you laugh. Like I'm really being obnoxious. It, it was, was just very like, light. In your face ones where like the first time you hear it, you're like, that was, you know, really forced, like a dramatic moment. And then you're like, oh, that was kind of funny. Oh, that's kind of weird. And then like, as it keeps going throughout the movie and there was mm-hmm. one time later when they say, and you hear the horses way in the background, like it was, it got, it got funny. It was done very well. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like I got sick of that joke by the end. Yeah. I, I very much appreciated the comedy in this. Um, it was not over the top, like crude type of humor. It was just mm-hmm. very like, I don't, and I don't know that I would have used the word subtle to describe it until you said it, but it was just like, obviously it's making fun of a, another movie yeah but but some of the, just, some jokes that i feel like it in comedies nowadays they're very much in your face like tr- mm-hmm. you, you know that they're tr- really trying really hard to make this funny and it didn't it feels like there was a lot more way. thought be- behind a lot of these jokes and they were like the groundwork was laid beforehand for some of them and it was just like you know i did all of this and then i'm gonna put this joke in here because we've we've done all this work mm-hmm. ahead of time to set this up like yeah. his his hunchback moving sides and just mm-hmm. like some of those little things i thought was really really good yeah um, and the last uh, note that I have is the fact that there was another musical number in this. As soon as I started singing, I was like, oh, here we and go like, again. Again, it, it's like just one musical number, not too, too forced, not over the top. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go on far too long. And um, again, yeah, I appreciated of, that it was yeah. only the one. Mm-hmm. Felt like, I don't know, like a little bit different vibe. And you just really don't see that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think this one, it was not like, it, they were in, I mean, they were in the theater. Mm-hmm. So they were they were kind of in a situation where it felt natural. It's not like they were in the middle of like the football field and they were feeling their emotions and they were just going to start singing yeah, like, like some kind of type thing. I wasn't going to go there, but like <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it felt more like a, a Family Guy type type situation where in the middle of an episode they like launch into like this musical number and it goes over the top, but then like it just kind of cuts back to where it was afterwards. But this mm-hmm. didn't feel as out of place given the fact that they were obviously in a theater to show off this mm-hmm. performance and yeah. Um, well done and um i'm not gonna change my rating after after discussing it now i still just you know don't think i would uh, well, i'll change my rating we're gonna go <laughs> changing it already we're gonna go 5.7 okay i respect that yeah um I think I did like some, I did enjoy some of the subtle jokes and I think it's also a movie that if i watch it like three four 18 times it'll mm-hmm. get funnier yeah I or think, appreciate the jokes at least. I mean, I will say I'm, I believe we're getting out of the seventies next week and doing like different style where, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't, we talked about how we might in the future intentionally choose or make like not seasons, but mm-hmm. like little like uh, um, groups of movies for a couple weeks in a row and be intentional about this. And this was, do we did not do on purpose. I'm glad we did it. And I feel like there is a lot of value in watching a lot of similar style movies mm-hmm. close together, but I can say I'm kind of over this era right now. And I just, I need a little bit of a break. Yeah. Just a, just a little break. So maybe we'll go with something less of a comedy for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe like a drama or something maybe in like the eighties, early nineties time. Mm-hmm. Frame. I'd like to get a little closer to the present. Yeah. Um, and I think just for contrast too, of just a completely, mm-hmm. completely Take different style of movie. Bit, yeah. yeah. But I will say like, I definitely appreciated this one the most of the last couple of weeks. And, um, I, I mean, with my ratings, like I appreciate like 
last week, I didn't love the movie itself, mm -hmm. but I appreciate that it was the beginning of Steve Martin's career. And like, I love Steve Martin and just seeing like, oh, that's like, this is where he started. And mm -hmm. like, I can see how he kind of built on this as he got bigger and um, having already watched a Mel Brooks movie and, you know, seeing those connections and just, I like, I'm feeling a lot more of the, the culture night, mm -hmm. uh, the culture part of it. Um, and I did laugh a lot. I thought it was very funny. So I laughed the most last of yeah, the I last couple of weeks. <laughs> I think you're also <laughs> tired because I feel like you were giggling a lot more of this, whereas I was like, how much more slept in this? It has been a week. <laughs> These babies yeah. are killing me mm -hmm. and not been sleeping as much as mm -hmm. I have been, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. We'll be more well-rested next week, hopefully. Did I just jinx us? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. are notorious for jinxing Sleep ourselves. Regression coming up. So um, hopefully we'll be more well-rested well, more well next week. You can tell we're so mm -hmm. tired. Oh, man. Um and yeah, I'm ready to come back and to do something new. To I'm change up the theme. Yeah. Yeah. We'll switch it up a little bit, but that was episode six. Cheers. And ch cheers one more time to close this out. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye.